purpose here at First Christian Church is to love God, love others, and spread the gospel. Good morning. No, 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 no. Good morning. Have you guys had a, did you guys have a great Thanksgiving? I mean, I, I know I did. For Thanksgiving, I actually ended up going to Ohio. I have, as some of the elders put it, I have family all over the nation. And I have, most of my relatives actually live in Ohio. And so I went back to Ohio, left on Wednesday night, got in there about 1 in the morning, and spent, spent Thanksgiving for a couple of days with my grandparents and had an amazing time. Um, hope all of you guys had a blessed Thanksgiving, had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And today, we're, what we're going to be talking about is for the past couple of weeks, Sean's been going through the, the book of 1 John. And today we're going to continue with, with 1 John chapter 5. But let me ask you a question. Did you ever wonder if, Chris, if this Christianity stuff is right and true? Did you ever think, well, maybe I got it all wrong. And, you know, maybe I should be following something else. Or maybe I just need to get on with my life and, you know, make, do the world's way and make money and, and put food on the table and do all the stuff that the world wants me to do. Well, if you ever question that, you're not alone. You know, the people in the church that John writes to have the exact same questions. Now, just so you know a little bit about the context of this book of 1 John, John's in prison on the island of Patmos. And the church that he's writing to in Ephesus is feeling embattered and beat up. Now, there's a group in the church that were questioning their faith and teaching that Jesus is not God's son. And not Christ, but rather he's just a righteous man that taught good things. This group ends up leaving the church, and they leave the Christians behind, and now the Christians are starting to feel discouraged and wonder whether or not they have the truth. See, much of John's letter in 1 John is encouraging the people in, the, encouraging people in Ephesus that, yes, they do have the truth. If you read with me from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it says this, Anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his, his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and the commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now this passage is, is kind of repeating what John has already said and what we've already talked about in, in the past couple of weeks that Sean's been talking about. But like John always does in his letters, he, he repeats what he says, but in this time he actually adds a few things as well. See, John reminds his people and us that we, can know, that we can know that we know the truth from God and that we are on God's side by three proofs. He's dealt with these separately in, in the earlier chapters of 1 John, but now he integrates them all together in this chapter. See, the first proof is belief. The first proof is belief. You know, everyone, it says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. The first proof that John gives us is that we believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the everlasting one. We believe, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. 
And the reason we believe that is because what the Bible has to say about the connections between the Son and the Father. It says in John chapter 1, verse 18, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is, closest, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. 1 John chapter 2, verse 23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. John 8, 19, Jesus replied, If you knew me, you would know my Father also. John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were the Father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. But believing in and believing about is two different things. Believing in is much more than believing about. You know, you can believe that Jesus is God's son and do nothing about it. There's a poll that was taken that says 84% of Americans believe that Jesus is God's son. But nowhere near that number believes in him. See, to believe in someone is to trust them. There's a story that I was told about a tightrope walker. Now, this tightrope walker, he never announced he was going anywhere. He'd just show up with his tightrope, stretch it across long distances, and walk. And he'd do this day after day, week after week, and he'd gain this huge following just from people watching what he does. And this guy was incredible. He knew he was great at what he did. And one day, he came to Niagara Falls. And again, he didn't announce he was going to be there. He just showed up stretched his tightrope across Niagara Falls, and one day went out there and just started walking. Walking back and forth on his tightrope across Niagara Falls. And from doing this, he started gaining this huge crowd of people. Well, he did this for a couple days. Then, uh, then on the, about the third day, he came in, and he, and he looked, at, looked at the people around, and he said, okay, how many of you believe that I can do this? And everybody said, yes, we know you can do this. He then asked him a question. So how many of you believe I can do this blindfold? And again, everybody agreed, and so he did. That day, he went across Niagara Falls the whole day blindfolded. And everybody was in awe. Everybody was amazed that he could do that. Next day, he came out. Came out, and again, he, with the crowd, he said, How many of you believe I can do this? And again, everybody agreed. How many of you believe that I can do this blindfolded? Again, everybody agreed. How many of you believe I can do this pushing a wheelbarrow? Again, everybody agreed. Then he gave them one last question. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And actually, one person did. His daughter. His daughter believed in him so much and knew that he could do this that she got in the wheelbarrow. And yes, they lived. <laughs> it's a good story. Um, but she believed enough in her father to know that he was able to do this. She believed in him, not just about him. She trusted in him and knew that this was fact. See, we have to do the same thing. We need, the first proof is believe. We need to believe in Christ, not just about Christ. We need to believe in Christ and know that in Christ all things are possible. That God can do everything through Christ. So the first proof is believe. The second proof is love. Now, this, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God. 
See, once again, John tells us that we can't separate the love that we have for God with the love that we have for, for his people. He says in another place, How can you say you love God with whom you have not seen and hate your brother and sister who you can see? You know, the love for God and his people are so intertwined that John comes across it from another angle in this passage. See, instead of saying that we love God by loving his people, John says that we love his people by loving him and obeying him. And the truth is that much of the things that God wants us to obey are all about loving his people. When Jesus was asked what was the greatest commandment, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. See, if you take the, if you take the Ten Commandments back in the Old Testament, you can take all those Ten Commandments and put them in those two. See, Jesus simplified it. And it's all about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So by doing the things that God wants us to do, by obeying his words, we're loving each other. So the second proof is love. Third proof is this, obedience. Obedience and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It says in 1 first, first John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Those who say, I know him, but do not do what he commands are liars, and the truth is not in them. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Yet there are a lot of people out here that say they follow Jesus, and they never do what he says. Now, I'm not saying that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be perfect. I mean, no one can be like me. Oh, I mean, um, no one's perfect. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. But if we're, if we're following God's commands, if, we're, if, we say, if we love God as much as we say we do, we're going to try our best to live like him. We're going to try our best to follow what he says. We're going to try our best to do the things that he would have us do. We would do our best to, to follow those commands, to live our life completely for God. See, these rules are not burdensome because they're to please someone that you love, that we love. Paul says that the, th Paul says that the things he gave up to be a Christian. He says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Savior, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. See, these rules that God has set up are not burdensome. They're not meant to hold us back from having fun, because holy living is healthy living. We need to follow Christ. So how do we know that these proofs, the proofs of belief, the proof of love, the proof, the proof of following his commands, obeying him, how do we know these things are true? How do we know it's real? Do we just believe? You know, growing up, that's, that's what we do. 
And yes, I'm talking to the youth right now. Growing up in church, you follow your parent, you follow your parents' religion. You haven't made it your own yet. But when you when you actually love God to the point of wanting to follow him, you have to make that relationship your own. And if you do that, are you going to question? Or do you just follow it blindly? I don't know you, about you, but I'm a very inquisitive person. I need to know for sure. I need to find the examples. I need to find the evidence. And usually if I hear a story, whether it's from the Bible or not, if you hear it from one place, how do you know it's true? Well, see, you need witnesses. You need people to give testimonies. And that's exactly what John is doing in this, in this, this text once we go a little bit further. He gives us some witnesses. Now, if you hear a story, just if, let's say, Devin, you walk up to me and you give me a story. I have two choices. I can either believe it or I can think you're lying. Now, what if two people come up to me? Two people come up to me at two different times and give the exact same story. One well, more likely to believe it. What about three? What about four, five? If four or five people come up to you the exact, at different times and tell you the exact same story, you're almost guaranteed to believe that it's true. And that's, like I said, exa- exactly what John's doing in these next few verses. Verses 6 through 9 read, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water alone, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. So we have three witnesses. We have water, blood, and spirit. But what's he talking about? Well, let's go with the first witness. See, John's talking about what the first witness is Jesus' baptism. You see, Jesus, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That was in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. So our first witness is Jesus' baptism. The water. The second witness is this, the blood. Jesus' death on the cross. See, this was the payment for all of our sins. It was also fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus himself spoke of it when he, when he said in Mark 8:31, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days raised again. So we have the bl- water. We have the blood. Third witness is the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 and 27 says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. See, this is the, wit- this is the testimony of three witnesses. Deuteronomy 19:15 reads, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they, have, they may have committed. 
a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. See, what John's saying here is that it take, if it takes three witnesses for you to believe people, can't you see you, that you can believe the truth of these three witnesses to believe God? But John doesn't stop there. He didn't stop with just three witnesses. He gives us one more. And it's found in, in verses 10 through 12, and it reads this. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar, because he has not, he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the son, of, the son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You know, it's strange that John would refer to something that we're only going to know after we die as the final witness. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about after we die. See, the Greek w- word that we use to translate eternal right here would be better translated belonging to the age or to come. See, John uses the word eternal life, where everybody else in the Gospels, Matthew, when all the other Gospel books, they would actually write the word, the kingdom of God. See, John's not talking about, about a place you go after death. He's talking about living, entering a brand new life right here and right now. When you become a Christian, you feel that new life. It's like someone finally gave you real air to breathe when all you've been breathing before was smog. And as you continue to live that new life, even if you aren't aware of it as it used to be, you, this new life that you experience is also a witness to your soul that you're walking with God. And I don't know about you, but when, when I was baptized, you know, I didn't, my life didn't miraculously become perfect. You know, when I was baptized, I did feel a new life. I did feel, um, you know, a new way of thinking about things. I felt, I, felt, I felt God come about me. And I felt, when I came up out of that water, you know, I, I, was, I was so in love with God, I wanted to do the things he did. I wanted to live my life the way that God did. I wanted to follow him. And, you know, that in itself was a witness to me. So do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder if you have it right or wonder if what it really means to be a Christian? You know, remember these three proofs. Believe in God, love God and his people, and obey God. And remember the belief in Jesus is not based on some mystical made-up philosophy, but it's found in these four witnesses. So what do you believe? You really only have two paths. You have God's way, and you have the world's way. Watch this drama and figure out which path you would take. We've been walking for hours. Are we going to be there soon? I hope so. My feet are killing me. Mine too, but would you slow down? Oh, hurry up. Wow, beautiful scenery. Why'd you stop? It looks like we're here. Yeah, I guess this is the intersection everyone's been telling us about. I can't believe we finally made it. (laughs) Two roads. That's what it looks like. Well, which one do we take? 
Well, this one looks pretty well traveled. Uh, it's wide, easy to follow. And it's downhill all the way. Hey, smooth sailing. Yeah, and that one seems rather steep and overgrown. Hmm. Well, what does the map say? Well, let's see. Hmm, that's odd. What? Well, the map says that one of these roads leads to life and the other to death. What? I, I thought that was just a legend or something. Here, let me see that. Whoa, you're right. Man, I don't believe it. Talk about a life and death decision. So, which one's the life road? Hmm, well, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It says that the road to life is the steep and narrow one. But the one everyone seems to be choosing is the death road. Here, see for yourself. You're right. That doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Well, it must be a mistake. People come this way all the time, and they're faced with the same choice. Which road to take? But look which one they choose. Yeah, but the map says that the road to life is that little pathway leading into the forest. Something's not right here. Hmm. Well... Maybe it doesn't even matter which road we take. Probably both, both of them probably end up in the same place anyway. Not according to the map. Well, listen, that, that thing is pretty old and outdated. You know what I mean? How do you know you can trust this thing anyhow? You can't. Seeing is believing. But which direction should we go? Huh? The way I see it, we either follow common sense or the map. Either think for yourself or let others do your thinking for you. So you're saying... I'm saying go with your gut. Nearly everyone who walks this way chooses which road. The wide one. That's right. Now, how could all of them be wrong? Just because a lot of people believe something doesn't make it true. Yeah, but it's a good indication. You know, I say, I say we take the easy road. Your gut has a lot to say. My gut says, trust the math. And why is that? Well, hasn't been wrong so far. Well, I say trust what you can see. Do you see that forest over there? Yeah. I don't trust it. Looks pretty dark, doesn't it? Yeah. And steep. Uh-huh. And narrow. I guess so. And dangerous. Okay, so what? No. Dark, steep, narrow, and dangerous. Does that sound like the life road to you? Hmm. I see what you mean. You want to get all sweaty and muddy and scratched up and exhausted trudging up that trail when you can just coast down this one right here? Go ahead. Take a peek up the narrow path. What do you see? Not much. I can only see a few feet. There's lots of thorns and poison ivy on the trail. There you have it. Now take a look down this one. No curves. No dangers, no surprises. And you can see where you're going. Seems like an easy choice to me. Sure does look easier. Maybe you're right. Of course I'm right. Come on, let's get going. Hey, are you coming or what? Yeah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. Who needs a map anyhow when we've got each other? Besides, I bet that other trail hasn't been taken for years. Yeah, you're probably right. So which path do you want to choose? 
You know, God never said that, that when we become Christians that the path will be easy. You know, he, he never said that we we're going to be perfect once, we, once we, we follow him, once we have a relationship with him. But that's what he wants us to do. And when God created us, when God made, made Adam and Eve, when God created our civilization, that's what he wants. He wants that relationship with us. But, you know, we screwed it up. Starting with Adam and Eve, you know, they, they sinned. And we've kept on sinning throughout the years. But we're missing something. We're missing something inside of us. And we, we try to find what we're missing. We try to find what we need to do to get back to this relationship with God. But guess what? We can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We try. We try to do good things. We try to live our lives the right way. But we fail. The only way we can get back to this relationship is with God's help. And God did the one thing, the only thing he knew that could take this sin away from us, and that was by sending his only son to die on the cross for our sins. Not just the sins that happened back then. Not just the sins that happened in the past. God died. Jesus died for the sins that happened in the past, the present, and the future. He died for it all. He died so that we can have that relationship back with God. And when we, when we accept that, when we accept the fact that we, that we want to have this relationship with him, we get eternal life. And just like John said, it's not the eternal life that happens after you die. It's starting a brand new relationship, a brand new journey with God right now. So where are you at? Where are you at in your life? Do you love God enough to follow him? Do you love God enough to follow his commands and obey, and obey him? Right now, we want to give you that opportunity. Right now, we want, to, we want to see if you want to accept God into your life. If you want to be baptized. Now, as the praise team comes back up, we're going to be singing a song. And during that song, if you want to accept God, if you want to be baptized right here, right now, we ask you to come forward. Or if you want to be, become a member of this church, if, you want, if you've already been a baptized believer and want to become a member of this church, I ask you to come forward at, that time, at this time as well. Last but not least, if you have anything you want to pray about, if you, have, if you, if you want to uh, just talk to someone, talk to someone about what's going on in your life, have someone pray with you, Come up at this time as well. We'll have the elders up here. Um, Sean will be up here. You guys would love to pray with you. So as, let's say a prayer. We'll have the, have the last song going up. Then we accept you to invite, to invite, we accept, we want you to accept Jesus in your part right now. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for always being with us, caring for us, loving us protecting us, Lord. Lord, just being a part of your, just having you in our lives is so special, Lord. Lord, we're going to have difficult times. Yes, we know that. But Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to love you so much that, that no matter what happens in our lives, we always come to you. 
Lord, be with us this day. Help us to always just go out there and spread your word. Spread and, and just be a part of your life. And do the things you would have us do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.